0: We've been looking at the book of Ephesians and we've been looking at this key theme of what it means to be in Christ. To be in Christ we've been looking at means you have a new identity, you have new life and you have new power. And we've been looking at it really because we're in a season of new things. New term, new schools, perhaps a new job for you, a new role. Perhaps you've got new responsibilities, new challenges that you've been looking at. We've got a new prime minister. And now, of course, we have a new king. And this quick look in Ephesians, really, we wanted to just start the term by encouraging each other. Encouraging each other in what it means to be in Christ. That whatever that new is for you, you can enter it full of confidence, full of hope. And full of uh, boldness as you step into this new thing. We have this new identity we looked at first. New identity, which the identity we have in Christ is the firmest and most secure foundations you could ever put your life in. And we have new life in Christ. We see that Gareth looked at last week. We have this um, truth that, that the way of the world where um, life leads to death. But Jesus comes and turns it around and he brings dead things back to life. And today, our focus this morning is that we have new power. And I'm going to invite Beth to read our passage this morning. If you want to turn to it, it's Ephesians 3. We're going to be reading from verse 14 through to verse 21. It's going to come up on the screen as well.
1: For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks. Speak to God. Thanks, Beth. We all need power. We need, uh, some of you need the power of a cup of coffee in the morning to wake you up. Uh, We might need the power of music to pump us up for a new day or perhaps to chill us out ahead of a busy day. We need the power of electricity to charge our phones, our devices, to light our homes, uh, to power our fridges. Um, I've just got back into the habit of of running, and at the moment I've realized I haven't got much leg power. We need body power as well, and sometimes we need willpower. We need willpower to get through difficult or frustrating or perhaps tough situations or just willpower to resist some things. Perhaps you're on a diet. We all need power, and without power, we wilt, we fade, we, we stop working, and this prayer that we've just read. It's a prayer of Paul's. It's a prayer for power. We saw back in chapter one that there was a prayer for knowledge. Paul prays that we would have knowledge, but here in uh, chapter three, it's a prayer for power. He mentions the word three times in verses 16, 18, and 20. So the key question for us today is what is what is this power that Paul is praying for? Well, in um, many situations with power, in many objects, what you have is you have sort of a power input, you have a power throughput, and you have a power output. And so, um, just to explain that, here's, here's an iPhone, this is, this is my phone, and um, the power input, of course, is when, is when I plug this into the wall, and then I get the power from the electricity and it starts charging up my phone. That's quite obvious, that's the, the power input. The power throughput is, I guess there's, um, there's emails on here, there's Instagram, there's fantasy football app, uh, there's uh, a lot of other pointless things here as well, music, I think it makes phone calls as well, which is helpful. That's the power throughput. And then the output then, the power output is, is getting the work done, getting those emails sent. Uh, it's entertaining myself with the games or the things that I'm doing, or it's being able to keep in touch with my friends. That's the power input, throughput, and output. But Paul is praying for power for us. And so really briefly this morning, I want to look at, well, what does it mean then? What's the input and the throughput and the output of power that Paul is praying for us, those of us who are in Christ? Let's look at the first one. Verse 16 tells us our power input. The power input is the work of the Holy Spirit at work in our inner beings it said i pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being firstly we see how secure the power source is our power it says comes from the father's glorious riches sometimes power can be a bit bit dodgy a bit intermittent but our power is from the national grid and, there's, and it's in rich supply. There's no need for a price cap because it's going to be given to you freely. It's given to us. It's as a gift, this work of the Holy Spirit. And the fact that the, the input of the power is the power of the Holy Spirit, it reminds us that any, any change, any positive change or transformation that happens in your life doesn't come by us trying really, really hard for it. It doesn't come by us trying really hard in our own strength. If you've ever made a New Year's resolution or a goal to start the new term, perhaps you know how hard it is to just will yourself to, to make those changes in your life. I just stopped doing New Year's resolutions because I never kept them. If real lasting change is ever going to take place in your life, then we need a power at work inside of us which is going to come from outside of us, the work of the Holy Spirit, which is God's gift to us. And then um, if we read verse 17, as it carries on, it says, so that, this is the purpose of it, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That word dwell, it's a really strong word. It's about taking up residence. It's about settling down. It's It's about making a home. In other words, the prayer is that we become places more and more where Jesus lives and feels comfortable, where he's at home, where Jesus dwells. Imagine a a couple, imagine a couple who save up enough, a young couple who save up enough to have to put down a deposit on a house, and they move in, and it's a bit of a state there's rubbish everywhere, there's lots of DIY that's needed, there's lots of painting that's needed, but they're just really glad to be in that house. And so they begin, as months pass, they clear out the rubbish, they paint the walls the color that they like, they do all the work, they've done a bit of DIY, then years later maybe, they do a loft conversion, or they put in a conservatory, or they do up the garden, they put a water feature in, I don't know. Then after 25 years, they're sitting in this home that they've created. And the, and the husband turns to the wife and says, Do you know what? I really like it here. This house, is we've, we've shaped it to our, to our needs, to our tastes. And I just feel really at home. You know, when Jesus first comes to live in our hearts, there might be a bit of rubbish. There might be bad decor choices. And perhaps there might be a, lot, a little bit of brokenness in us as well. But the thing with Jesus, he then sets about making our hearts a place appropriate for him. There's a lot to do, but it's his aim, it's his purpose, it's his goal to take up residence in our hearts as we put our faith and trust in him. And so that's firstly that the input of power in our lives is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the result then of having God's Spirit live within us as we become more and more and more the places where Christ feels at home. Because by the work of God's Spirit, we're becoming more like Him. That's the input. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. But secondly, the throughput. What's that? The throughput of power in our lives is the love of Jesus. As verse 17 continued, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, that surpasses knowledge. We always talk about love and God's love here at Bay Church. And we talk about it a lot, but sometimes it's hard to understand it or believe it. John Stott wrote talking about this verse, he wrote this, The love of Christ is broad enough to encompass all humankind, long enough to last for eternity, deep enough to reach the most degraded sinner, and high enough to exalt them to heaven. As a teenager, I I grew up in church, and I heard about God's love, and I knew about God's love, but actually I really struggled to understand it. I really struggled. It, it, made, it, would, it made sense to me that God would love someone who was lovable. God would love someone who was lovely. But I knew myself. I knew myself really well, and I knew I wasn't very lovely. I didn't feel very lovely. I knew my mistakes. I knew my weaknesses, and I knew my darkest parts. I didn't think that the love of Jesus, I, I recognized it for other people, but I didn't really think that the love of Jesus was for me. But as God fills us with his spirit, as Jesus begins to dwell in our hearts, we, we experience the love of God. The power through it is the love of Christ. It's a power that sort of pushes us through, lo- uh, pushes us through life. And maybe in some of our cases, it's a, it's a power that carries us through life. And it's on offer to us despite our mistakes and despite our weaknesses and despite our flaws and despite our imperfections. A love that is deep enough, wide enough, high enough, long enough to cover it all and to make all the difference in our lives. So the power that we have, the input is the work of the Holy Spirit. The power throughput is the love of Christ. And finally, the, the power output is the glory of the Father. The whole point that God would fill us with his power, give us power, is that the Father is glorified. God the Father is praised. Verse 20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. To him be glory in the church. That's us. That's God's people gathered here today. That's where God shows his glory and demonstrates all of his amazing power through you and through me. And then all the credit, all the praise goes to him. I love to catch up on any award shows that have sort of happened, not because I'm looking for any sort of Will Smith slap moments or anything, but I particularly like acceptance speeches and particularly when they they get up, the, the award winner gets up and they begin to thank their coach and they thank their mentor. They sort of recognize where the credit lies for this award, the work that's been invested in them by their coach, by their mentor. Recognizing that the credit is due elsewhere. Because I know a lot of the time, we want the praise. We want the credit. We want all the thanks. I've noticed uh, that healthy leadership should be when when things go uh, really, really badly, I should take the responsibility for that. And when things go really, really great, I should pass on the credit and give praise where, um, where the team performed well, or whoever it was did really well. But sometimes I want to say, but this was my idea. This was my idea. Yeah, they did a good job. I thought of that because I want the praise. I want the thanks. I, I, I want the praise. But I could do without the responsibility. I could do without all the pressure that comes, that comes with it. And so in verse 20, thankfully, it doesn't say, now to Matt Bray. Oh, boy, because we'd be in a lot of trouble. Or it doesn't say now to insert your name here. It says now to him. And then describes who him is. The one who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask, think, or imagine. Imagine the most amazing thing. And then God goes beyond that. That's who God is. It says now to him. And I think, great. Great. God, take the wheel. Please take the wheel of my life. You can handle the pressure. You can deal with the responsibility. You can take all the credit. You can get all the praise. But it's interesting that it then says, according to his power that is at work within us. Because there is a power at work within us. There's a way that God gets glorified. There's a way that God gets praise because as this power is working within us, it's helping us to grow and it's changing us and it's transforming our lives. And this change in us, as people see the change in us, it demonstrates to them who God is. The change in us begins to reveal the nature of God because God is the kind of God who brings dead things to life. God is the kind of God who restores the broken. God is the kind of God who heals the wounded. God is the God who forgives the unforgiven. And it's God's glory that's then revealed through us, through that change, as we allow the work of God's Spirit into our lives and we allow the love of Christ to transform our lives and all the glory goes to Him. The last two weeks... I, to be honest, I felt fairly helpless. I felt very hopeless at times as well. And I've certainly felt powerless, powerless to change our situation, however desperately I've wanted that situation to change. And I felt, I've, last week I just felt like I was unable to speak on the topic we had, new life. But this week's verses have actually, it's always this way around, it, have actually really encouraged and really helped me. Through our situation. In Ephesians 6, I saw this encouragement, which is to stand firm and to keep going with Jesus. Stand firm and keep going with Jesus. Ephesians 6 from verse 10, it gives this description of the armor of God which is described as the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the, the sword of the Spirit, this sort of uh, metaphorical armor that we can put on, which has a spiritual but, but, but a huge reality as well in our lives, that we can stand strong in the Lord, says Paul, in his mighty power. Stand firm. Paul says, stand firm, stand strong. And keep going with Jesus. Keep trusting him. Keep choosing him. Even when nothing else makes sense. Even when the situation is tough. Even when it's hard and you're not sure what lies ahead. Even if the situation doesn't make sense to you. Keep going with Jesus. In verse 18 of chapter 6, it says, Be alert and keep on praying. Stand firm in the armor of God. And keep going with Jesus. This has been more profound to me in the, the, the recent uh, weeks than, than ever before. And my prayer really is for all of us in this, in this term. And I'm looking out there and I know that a lot of you are also equally facing difficult situations or tricky things going on in your life. And my prayer really is that we would continue and my encouragement to us is that we would continue to allow the work of the Spirit to enter our lives, to input that power into our lives. That we would continue to allow the love of Christ to grow in our hearts. And we would continue to allow then all the glory, all the praise and all the credit to go to God the Father. Amen.